Let's get to it. If we can, get your sermon notes out. Repeat the talk with me, please. Say a courageous discussion about our seasons. For the year, the theme is about discussions, and we're going to have several. Each month or so, we are going to jump into another discussion. Some will be three weeks long, some will be two weeks long, some may be just one week long. But we are going to talk about things. It's kind of like a family get-together where you sit down and you say, what are the main issues in our lives that we need to talk about? Today, I want to talk about seasons. Can you say that big word with me, please? Come on. Seasons. When I look at a man's life, that's always fun, Abraham. And our focus today is a text in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. I'm just going to read this verse because it just fits. Here's what it says. Read it with me, please. To everything there is a what? Season. A time for every what? Purpose under heaven. To everything there is a season. Say that one more time. Come on. To everything there is a season. In other words, life comes in seasons. It really does. And every now and then when you look at life and you see how life comes in seasons and you realize, okay, life is seasonal. We're not going to get away from that. We can't get away from that. It's part of our life. It's part of our existence that I have a season when I have kids in the house. Remember that, right? Really young infants crawling around the floor, making noise, and then you want them to walk. And then they walk and you say, okay, now you're walking too much. Then there's a season when they grow up and they want your car. Remember that season, right? I remember standing in the sanctuary and Diane said these incredible words to me. Rick, we need to go and get Ricky's license. I said, license? He said, yeah, it's time for him to get his learner's license. I thought, it might have been his driver's license. The driver's license, he had a learner's. You mean like, like a, no, it was a learner's license. Learner, I said, like a learner, like he needs to drive? How old is he, 15? Well, I should have known that, right? And I said, what car is he going to drive? Now, this was the shocking part. It was my car. It's different when you're talking about driving theoretically, but when you talk about the keys, dude. And um, and it's just it's an emotional, amazing moment in your life. And and it's just a season. Rick won't care if I tell you this. One time he was he was there was they were at uh, ice cream shop. He won't care if he is too bad he's not here to stop me. But there was a (laughs) and Christine was in the car, Diane's in the car, and they get an ice cream. And so Ricky's backing up, and he doesn't look again, and he taps a pole. So Christina calls and says, oh, oh, daddy, daddy, let me tell you what he did. He, he wrecked your car. He wrecked your car. <laughs> and he still, he felt bad, you know. And I, I walked out and said, ah, I'm going to fix this. No big deal. You're more important than the car. Glad you're fine. Let's look again next time, okay? He said, okay. There, those, that, that, that was a season. It's amazing how when something happens, you make too big of a deal out of it. Come on, say, this is... A season. Just fix it. Take a deep breath. You'll make more money, hopefully, right? Give me an amen if you believe you'll make some more, right? So let's not fall out over a season. Then they go to college, right? That's a season. You think it's not. You hope it is because of the cost, right? Then they graduate. That's the season. Somebody said, no, that day never came, Pastor. That day never came. (laughs) But at least they tried. You know, maybe they didn't work out, but... They tried. They tried. Let's give them some credit. They went to one day at least. Let's thank God for that day. They were a college student for a day. You know what I mean? They walked in, even though you pay for the whole semester. You know, I know you feel the pain of that. 
Then they graduate, right? And then more seasons come. You know, grandkids come. And then the, the seasons keep going. And then one day you retire from this job, right? And that's the season. Okay, so what do I do now? What I want to do. And then you don't know what to do because you're confused because you never had this choice. And then you and your spouse look at each other because you've never seen each other for 40 years or 30 years, you know. <laughs> Better than working, you know. I mean, so now, well, what do you do? Well, we, we're going to travel the world. And, and then you get to the airport, you fight about what gate to go to, everything goes wrong. It's hilarious, right? Oh, man, miss your plane. It's just fun. But that's the season. Everybody say a season. Come on. Then you get to this. This is what's really amazing. You get to this place where you're supposed to just sit there and wait to die. Really, you know, so what are we doing? We, we, that we're waiting for the grave. You know, we just, you know, we just don't really know what to do with ourselves. We just wait to die. And so you just sit there and you get depressed. Some of you are in that season right now. You're in a place that you need to look at, which brings me to today's sermon. Here's the question. How much do you understand about this season of your life? Not nobody else's, just yours. I have a great habit that I love. It's, I read ahead of my seasons. I'm in the middle of reading about 60, 61, 62. And I buy these books. I'm scared to tell you how many I bought, but it, it's um, amazing. I, <laughs> it's over a dozen, I'll tell you that. But I, I've been reading about aging. Because when people age in front of me, it's astonishing what they think like. They always, uh, here's what, you know, when you're younger, you, know, you talk about where you're going, what you're going to do. When you get older, you talk about who's doctor you. Who's your doctor? <laughs> you do. Yeah, I'm Dr. Dr. Smith. This is my doctor. He's a really good doctor, man. I'm telling you. He knows exactly how to give you a shot. Gave me one right in his hip the other day. It was amazing. I just didn't even know. It was, it was over. Bam. So I said, hey, doctor, try the other side too. It's fine. You, know? <laughs> you, just, you start talking about doctors and, and you know, and and what you don't talk about is dreams. You, you spend all of your conversations on what you used to have, where you used to be, what you used to do. You introduce yourself by what you used to be, where you used to work, not by where you're going. And there's this amazing season you're in that I don't think you fully understand. Sometimes you don't understand what's happening to you. And so for me, it's fascinating. So what I'm going to do is I give, I give you what I call five ways to know what season you're in. Five things to kind of get your mind rolling. Then we're going to talk about a guy who can help us see it. First of all, look at your age. That tells you how long you've been on the battlefield. Now, when people look at your age, they expect, expect you to be at a certain place. You know, you're 16, you can drive. You're 25, you can rent a car, right? 21 in some cases, you know. But there are expectations that at certain ages you think certain ways. What you're seeing now today, sad to say, with this horrible school shooting we've seen, younger ages, they're not maturing like they should. And sometimes you look at these horrible things that have happened and you think to yourself, Who, you didn't grow up. If you think that's okay, you know, come in and shoot people, or you, what, what happened in your developmental years where you didn't get it right? Your age should tell us something about you. It should give us a measuring stick to use. How long have you been on the battlefield? You're 40 years old. Some things you should know by now. Some things you should, you should, why are you fighting? You're fussing like this. You're how old? 
been on the battlefield too long to worry about that. Someone's opinion like that. Dwell on it that long. Come on, I'm too old for that. And for some of you, that could be 12. I'm 12 now. You know, I should know how to you know, make up my bed. There's certain basic things you should learn. Your age is an indication of the season you're in. Look at your attitude. That tells me a lot about the atmosphere you create around you. My attitude tells me a lot about where I, what season I'm in. Sometimes if I if I'm in a, have a bad attitude, I know I'm in a bad season. And I'll stop myself and say, what, what's wrong with you, dude? Why are you that angry over that, this issue? What, pause, pause, pause. I, I've, I've stepped into some season that may have nothing to do with Diane or the world around me or anything. It's just me. I, I, I'll give you one. I, I got into this season. Uh, hold on. This, this, I, you know, I'm better now. But for a season... I, I was saying things in staff meetings like, you know, one day I'm not going to do any funerals, I'm not going to do any weddings. I'm kind of like looking for the day. I'm just going to hire a guy to do that. I should, I should, you know, if I never do another funeral, you know, and I went through this whole thing and you might not, and it sounded spiritual when I said it. But when I look back at it, I was in a bad season. And when you do them all the time, 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 it's like, well, yeah, I'm doing a funeral again. Now, if somebody died, don't feel bad, okay? But I'm just saying it's emotional when it's every week. When it's two or three times a week, a little bit of PTSD, right? Post-traumatic stress, a little bit of emotional stuff. Starts, I'm serious. PTSD is not just going to battlefield. Sometimes it's arguing with your husband. It's arguing with your wife. It's the kids. Every morning, you got a little bit of PTSD. <laughs> where are the socks? I don't know where the socks are. We're going to fight again over these dumb socks. <laughs> so you go to Walmart, you buy 20 pairs, and they lose those 20, right? <laughs> If there's something about my attitude that's a reflection for me of my season. What, is, what am I feeling? I've learned some things that can help, you, that help me with my, my, my attitude. You ready? These are little, you want to write these down. These are fun. Ready? This is smart. I'm, I'm going to give you some ideas. And I'm telling you, write this down. This is good. You ready? Take a lunchbox. Come on, say it. Sometimes you're just hungry. I'm a snacky guy. I, I am so more, I'm a lot more saved now that I take lunchboxes. I am. I act more like Jesus all the time. It's amazing. And, and the staff will tell you, I'm a snacker. I, I, care, I give them snacks if they're around me. I was at a conference <laughs> this past week in Phoenix, and the guys who sat around me, we all ate because I have stuff in my bag. I'm like grandma. I got all kind of stuff in there, man. What do you want, dude? I got, you know, Dale Bronner was sitting next to me, right? Bishop Bronner, he's sitting next to me. He's eating, my, he's eating, eating fruit, all kind of stuff. He brings nothing. He waits for me to sit next to him to give him my fruit. But it's okay. I just love it. I buy extra because it's fun to give it away. I just love it. I think it's great. So everybody say, take a lunchbox. Here's another one. You ready? Take a nap. I am so holy when I'm rested. <laughs> I don't get cranky or anything. I just, I'm a nicer guy. I just take a nap, you know, really. If, if, there's sometimes if I see a staff person and they look tired, I say, look, put your head down on your desk, take a nap. On me. You need a nap. 30, I'll give you an hour for that attitude. Here, go down, lay down. You know, you need, <laughs> just take a nap. There's something, you're not sleeping enough. And I, I'm, I was guilty, and I'm still working, making sure I, I get better rest. I'm, I'm kind of making, go to the doctor, check all that out. Because sometimes that's the problem. There's, there's no stopping in your life. One of the sermons I'm going to do is on stopping. It, it's important to learn how to stop. Come on, say, learn, learn. How, how to stop. stop. Sometimes you don't stop at all. 
There are times you don't, you don't have time to think. So your life is just in disarray. So look at your age, look at your attitude. Here's the third one. Look at your faith. Come on, so look at your faith. This tells how much passion you have and how much drive you have. How much passion, how much drive. What are you believing for? What I've learned is a lot of people aren't believing for anything. There's nothing you want. You get everything. Really? So everybody around you is okay? No. There's something about engaging life with passion and faith. Then look at your responsibilities. This tells us who's counting on you. Responsibilities are amazing, and I'll show you that in the life of this guy named Abraham in a minute. But responsibilities are impressive, important. You want to be able, you want to be able to help the people that need you. There's something about understanding there's certain seasons when you have more responsibility than others. There, there are moments when you have more people that count on you. And that's okay. And then there are moments when there's nobody counting on you like it used to be. And some of you, that's a struggle. Because now you, you're, not that, you're not at over a classroom anymore. You, you don't have a specific place you go. You, you, you ride by that job you used to work in, and now they don't need you. You call them, and they, they're going, why are you calling? You don't work here anymore. Why do you want to know the latest office gossip? You're not involved in that. You can't step to the next level. Your kids are not your responsibility at that level anymore. So why are you, why are you engaging with them like that? I think it's, I, I engage with my kids, but I understand that I'm not, I don't run Ricky's house. I don't run Christina's house. I go over there and eat their food and open the refrigerator and stand there and cut the lights on. That's my job, you know, because they did that to me. It's called reap what you sow. But beyond, beyond that, I'm not responsible. I mean, I do believe I should share in the burden. I believe we're, I have a whole family philosophy about that. We, 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 we prosper together. We fight together when we have common issues. So I believe in that. But I don't believe that I need to be frustrated because it's not my responsibility. One day, believe it or not, I will not be responsible for this church in any fashion. There'll be a new guy in church. Will you be here? Eh, I don't know. What do you mean? It's going to be a while. I'm not going anywhere tomorrow. But, you know, just... You know, it's not my, it won't be my responsibility. And I need to be okay with that. And if I want to know what season I'm in, look at my responsibilities. Some of them have changed for you. And they will change for me. And if I do my job right during my season of responsibility, when it's time to pass it, it'll be healthy. That's the goal. You, you don't need to always be, you, your kids are 40 years old and you're still talking to them like they're two. At some point, you need to back up a little bit and say, this is not fair. That it's okay. I, don't need to, you know, I don't need to act this way. I don't need to engage this way. And, and, and sometimes if you look at yourself, you're not honestly admitting or understanding the season you're in now. You're in another season. My mom did something to me one time. It was really hilarious. It wasn't at the moment. I took on a trip with us, a business trip, right, to L.A. Staff was with me. We went to it's a conference we went to. And we're riding in the bus. And my mom just was feeling good. I don't know why she was just feeling really good. So she, I was riding in the, and I was driving the van, right, around L.A. And, we were, and, and so I don't know where at what point, but she tapped me in the back of my head like a mama does. Yep, mama, you know what I'm talking about, mama does that? So I said, mama, come here, please. Do not hit the pastor in front of the congregation. Can you not tap me in the back of my head? She said, I can do better than that. I said, thank you. I love you. No more hitting. 
It's funny, kind of. But that's seasons change. And there's, there's something about embracement. Some of you, if you could just do that, you'd be better. Now, what's the last thing I said? What's what? Say Friends. Everybody say friends. friends. Look at your age, your attitude, your faith, your responsibilities, and your friends. This tells us the kind of people you value. For many of you, you will never advance because you won't allow your friendships to advance. They'll keep you locked in a season. You'll stay there. You'll be there. You'll never get beyond where you are ever because those friends can't grow past that season. Every time you go over there, they're going to be telling you about some girl they hooked up with, some guy. Some, it's going to always be the same scenario. Loan me this, loan me that, do this, do that. Remember this, remember the good old days. You, you won't ever grow. And that's not always their fault. They just can't do it. You'll drive by the neighborhood in, in a year. They'll be in the same place on the porch saying the same thing, doing the same thing. And sometimes if you look at your friends, they tell me what season you're in. And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It, you know, you, you love people, but you have to grow. So five ways to know what season you're in. Now let me talk about four lessons from a guy who's a model for us of living through his seasons. And his name is Abraham. And what I like about Abraham is Abraham is an example of, of a number of extremes, but there are only four things I want to just notice in his life. There's more, but there's four things specifically. Number one, repeat with me, please. Everybody doesn't start young. That's the first thing I want you to notice about this guy. He's 75 years old when he comes into the Bible story. He's 75 years old. Look at um, Genesis 12, verse 4. Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. And Abram was how old? 75 years old when he departed from where? Haran. Now that's by the way, this is a guy, Abraham, who starts off, and in, in, if you read a little up, like in chapter 11, the bottom part of chapter 11 of Genesis, it tells you he's from Ur of the Chaldeans, which is really Iraq, southern Iraq. That's where he's from. And so here's a guy who starts off in southern Iraq, and here's a guy who migrates to a place called Haran, and then he migrates to Canaan. God's goal is to get him started toward what God says is his promised land. But please note, he doesn't start the journey until he's 75. There is an assumption that the only seasons that matter are the younger seasons. And that somehow the older seasons have no value. That is totally untrue. This is a guy who's not even qualified to start until he's 75. So I want, but I want you to notice how he makes use of these years. And here's what's amazing. When he's 75, this is when God's going to start him off and when he's going to start moving toward a family. So there's a, from God's perspective in, in the scripture, the discussion about him having children starts in Genesis 12 and he's 75. Now just to give you a sense of how that feels, let's pretend that you were in the Bible story, okay? And you're the star of Genesis chapter 12. So what is your name? You can't say your name, there's a problem. What's your name? Let's imagine that God tells you, at 75, I want you to start trying to have children. You ready? And you're obedient people. You love God. You do what God says, right? So look at your neighbor for me and tell them, say, I'm going to start at 75. Come on, tell them, say, I'm going to start at 75, right? And if you're married, just tell your spouse, so we're going to start, baby, at 75. We're going to start again at 75. We're going to start all over again 
at 75. We're going to have some children, okay? Are you with me? If you count up his children, he has seven children. He has seven children from 75 to 175. He has seven children. Seven children. Seven. Some of you look tired already. This is just a Bible story. You're already mad. I, ain't, I don't know. He's crazy. I ain't. Oh, forget that part. That's, I'm not saying that. Second thing that's interesting is you learn from his story that everybody doesn't get wise with age. I wish it were true that age made you wiser, but it's not true. Abraham in Genesis chapter 16, after trying for, you know, 10 years or so, they get frustrated. Sarah gets frustrated. and She's like in her 80s. Look, look here, look here, look here. There's a woman in there named Hagar, okay? Genesis 16. You go and kind of marry her, make her your concubine, whatever. I'm tired of this, trying every month, okay? It's been years. Every month being disappointed, won't say anymore. I'm tired. Go to Hagar. Now he says, no, baby. God told us. It's you. I'm not touching anybody else. He didn't do that. He said, okay, baby. <laughs> you know, in certain seasons, you don't care. You ever had a don't care season? You ever had a season where you knew something was wrong, but you said, I'm just too tired to be holy today. And he didn't pray about it. He didn't ask God. He just went in there and he and Hagar had a baby and then she couldn't stand Hagar. That's a new season. Because Hagar said, mm-hmm, look at me. And then she said, you need to get out of my house. And she, I don't know if she jumped on or not, but she put her out the house. <laughs> Hagar was on the way to Egypt. The angel said, no, go back home. Tell her you're sorry. Be nice. And what's amazing is, and I love this part, God has the capacity to help you through your dumb seasons. He can look at you and say, you know, you're going to be dumb for 10 years, right here from here to here. You're going to be an absolute fool. You're going to be out of your mind. You're going to make dumb decisions. You're going to date dumb people. You're going to have all kinds of children. You're going to do things you shouldn't do. You're going to have all these memories in your mind, but I am God and I'm all-knowing. And I knew your days would be dark, but I can bring light back to your life. Come on, say amen. I can bring light back to your life. So repeat it with me, please. Everybody doesn't start young. Come on. Everybody doesn't get wise with age. Here's number three. Everybody doesn't achieve their dream quickly. 25 years. Huh. It's not until Genesis 21 that he has his son. He's 100 years old. Wow. Can we have a wow? Wow. Don't you hate those conversations with God? How long will this take? <laughs> you don't want to know. You're so messed up and there's so much work to be done and you need so many surgeries, it's going to take 25 years to get you into a place where you can prosper and not waste all your money. It's going to take 20 years, 10 years, 5 years. It's going to take a while to get you to the place where you can, without, you can receive without being prideful. Where you can be in front of people and people can come hear you and you won't think you're a big shot. It's going to take a long time to get you to the place where you can have advantage and not be arrogant. It takes a while to drive a nice car and not lean, you know, and talk funny. How you doing? I'm fine, man. You know, God's blessing me. You know what I'm saying? Blessings of the Lord is on my life. I don't know what to do. God bless me anymore. I just be crazy. You know what I'm saying? I just thank him. I don't deserve it. But I'm here. <laughs> you want to look at me? You crazy. What's wrong with you? Stop all that. I asked some 
I had some great conversations with pastors, especially ones who've achieved. I said, man, you're flipping out. You know that, right? You're losing it. One of the classic comments was from a pastor's wife. She says, he was fine when he was in high school. He was a geek. He got a few muscles and a (laughs) nice haircut. He said he went flipped out. Started liking all the girls in the church and things started, you know. You just, sometimes you just get off kilter. But what's amazing is God knows us. And sometimes I say this to people. He'll hold back your blessing to save you. Come on, amen. He'll hold it back. Because you already acting like this with a few thousand dollars. You driving a Ford truck like you in a Rolls Royce. I mean, you know, that's why you can't get, you know, I'm not against a truck, but I'm just making a point. You must learn how. That's why I, I really believe, one of the reasons that God gave me Diane, girl, I don't care. She does, but she, she, she got money, but she, she hates shopping with a passion. Thank you, Jesus. So she hates, she, <laughs> she's, she, she really is one of the most genuinely humble, don't want to show off people. She talks about God's blessing and stuff, but, but she, um, I just, she went from Holiday Inn to Ritz Carlton. Now, that's my fault. Because I want to go to the Ritz. But I don't have to go to the Ritz, you understand? But it's nice. But she would never go. You understand the difference? I don't have to go, but she would never go. Because that, that to her, that's not a value to her. She could be a school teacher and be happy every day of her life. She thinks it's the highest calling still. She says it all the time. I don't take offense, but she says it all the time. And, you know, it, it's because she doesn't find value in stuff, even though she likes nice stuff. But, it, but there's something about God being able to trust you with more when you're not consumed by it. Can I say, can you get an amen to that? And, and here's why that's important. The seasons will change. One day I can't be the pastor of this church. One day, you know, I mean, 10, 15, 20 years, I mean, I plan, I'm still young, I got, I got a little ways to go. But at some point in the process, I can't be afraid of that. And if Ricky gets confused with Pastor Rick and I lose who I am, my name is Ricky Ricardo Temple. I can't, I can't let the seasons I live through make me forget that. And there's something that happens when you find yourself in this place where you lost who you are, especially when it takes a while. So is God slowing you down? Because he knows. You want to see this lived out? Look at people who win the lottery. Look at people. Now, now when you didn't have the lottery, you, you were in one place, and now you got all this money, and now you got people calling you from all over the world, and <laughs> all kind of things happen because you got all this money, people calling you to borrow money and stuff. And, and you lose yourself. You lose yourself. Are you lost? You want to get a promotion, and God says, I can't promote you. And, and here's what's interesting. The people in your job know it. It's not fair. No, it's not fair. But it may save your life because how many people do you know that have gotten promoted and it was the worst thing for them? Because they couldn't emotionally make that leap. 
A lot of school teachers that wanted to be principals, when they became principals, it was a bad decision. Some became principals, they wanted to get to the main office, they got down there, it was a bad, bad decision. They couldn't, they couldn't, I don't like the politics. Well, somebody got to do it. Why, leave here if you can't. That's what it's like up here. Certain altitudes bother people. So everybody doesn't start young. Everybody doesn't get wise with age. And everybody doesn't achieve their dream quickly. Sometimes it takes a while. And then fourthly, everybody doesn't have a senior who was determined like Abraham. Everybody, I've learned, everybody is not a senior that doesn't have a person like Abraham. Now think about this for a second. I, I, I got to get you to jump, jump ahead a little bit, if you would, please. For, he lives to be 175 years old, okay? In Genesis chapter 14, something amazing happens. A lot, his nephew, is captured and taken away by this army. It's like four armies that attack, and, and he loses, and they, well, he, he can't fight because he doesn't have the army. But he gets captured and taken away. And you can read the story in Genesis 14. Now, go down to the second page under number three. I want to read it to you for a minute. Abraham hears about this, right? And when Abraham hears about it, in Genesis 14, verse 14 through 16, um, under number four, you see that? When Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, listen to what Abraham hears that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants. How many did he have? Trained servants who were what? Born in his household. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. 318 trained servants who could fight. 318 special forces guys. Trained from their youth. These are special forces people, okay? Now, so when you walk by Abraham's house, imagine what it's like, okay? Uh, people out there working out. 318 people, and they're out there, and they're all doing, they're all doing karate moves, right? Everybody's playing, everybody's training, everybody's working out. I mean, this is, this is a guy, right? You're impressed, right? This is a guy, right? Uh-huh, fool you. Anyway, don't grab me. Anyway, so somebody, so, so anyway, so some, so you sit there, right, and you watch, you watch this guy, this guy, he's got 318 guys in the yard doing that. And you know what you say? I'm not breaking in that house. <laughs> Now, but imagine that all 318 guys have families of four people. So you got 318 rooms. Imagine cooking breakfast. You got over 15, 12, 15, almost 1,500 people in his house. And when Lot, the nephew, gets captured, called for a maiden. All right, gentlemen, we got a situation. A lot of my nephew, our nephew there, he's captured by this army. Uh, call out the battalion. Let's go get them. Fired up. <laughs> everybody gets on their horses. 318. Now you got 318 horses. Everybody riding. Think about this. Think about that. You got 318 people. You got 318 horses. You got this is a big. This is a big organization. That's why the Bible says Abraham was very rich. Everybody say very rich. Very. He was saved, sanctified, rich, and prepared. Some of you are saved, but you're naive. You don't lock your cars. Not Abraham. Lock them cars. And if you mess with him, see they knew. Now watch this. They took Lot, but nobody bothered Abraham. Everybody know. Don't, uh, no, don't go over there. They're in the yard. <laughs> Leave them alone. So, so Abraham, Abraham, watch this now. Abraham goes out and rescues Lot. He said he went in pursuit as far as Dan. He, verse, watch this, verse 15. He divided, this is chapter 14 of Genesis, verse 15. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobeth. You bad if you're riding a horse in the night. They didn't have night, gog night goggles back in them days. So he's riding rough in the nighttime, trained soldiers, 
318, we're going to get locked. We're going to free you. This, this ain't going down. And they divide up into three parts. Now, I'm just saying, this is amazing. They whipped him, saved Lot. What does that teach you? Very few people have. Everybody doesn't have a senior, determined person like Abraham in their life. They don't have a bad granddaddy or an awesome uncle. When things get bad, call Uncle Abraham. I pray in my life I'm like this. There's something about Abraham, even though, catch this now, he couldn't have a child, okay? He didn't sit around and mope and say, well, sir, we can't have a child. No, he built wealth. He built an army. He built a home. He worked with what he had. Can you say work with what you have? Stop crying about what you don't have. Dwell on what you do have. Come on, give God a big hand clap if you're hearing me. I love this guy. I may not have a baby, but I raised 318 soldiers. I've adopted other people's kids. I've made a difference in the lives of these people. And let me tell you, he didn't have to hesitate. When Abraham called for 318 men to rise up, they, hey, they were ready. They, were, they didn't have to go get weapons. They had weapons. I just think it's amazing. This is a man who understood the world lived in. Now, there, I'm not advocating everybody go get a weapon. I'm not, don't take that wrong. Because Whatever I say now, everybody reading into it. Okay, don't read into it. Here's what I'm saying. This is a guy who understood the season he was in, and he was a guy who understood some things. And there are three things that stand out to me, right? I'm sorry, four disciplines that stand out to me in, in this season of Abraham's life. Number one, I learned that he was, he, he was disciplined enough to move to a new place. I, I like that. He didn't, your blessing is not always where you want to be. Some of you moved to Savannah, but this is where you need to be. This is God, this is where you need to be for you, for now. I was in Los Angeles, and I never intended to move here. Let's be real clear. I love Savannah, I do. But I, I was born here, but I never intended to move back, ever. We lived off of Geechee Road. And for, I mean, we didn't go to the mall much. My view of Savannah was a very small circle. And I, and I, I just didn't see why I would move back. But my blessing was here. Sometimes you have to, you can't be afraid to move to a new place. Now, if I come next week and all of you are going, I'd be mad. I'm telling you right now, don't try it. But you, you get the point of what I'm trying to say, though. Say amen if you're hearing me. Amen. Number two, and some of you, it's a new job, new career. It's a new start. New neighborhood. The house you're in, you just need to get out of it. The neighborhood's not good for you. It's not working right. It's... Sometimes you need a new place. Secondly, he had to be disciplined enough to wait for 25 years without whining and complaining. Just make the use of the time you have. Stop telling us what you don't have. How frustrated you are. You didn't get this opportunity. So what? Sorry for not saying, for sounding fussy, but I'm not fussy. I'm just inspiring you. You can't spend any more time dwelling on, it's been longer than I expected. The husband's not here yet. Okay, so now what? Sit in the corner and wait for him and mope? No, live your life, girl. Live your life, brother. Be what you can be. Go out and train your 318 people. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. I'm right. Come on, come on. I'm right. I'm right. Live your life. And don't tell everybody, well, I've been waiting a long time. You're going to wait longer. Who wants to join a sinking ship? 
told somebody that one time. I loved them. I said, don't be talking about every time I see you. Don't ask me something every time I see you. You're sinking. Who wants to invest in a sinking ship? Go ahead and drown. Why are you tell, asking me for stuff? If you're going you're gonna to die after I give it to you, why not die now? I save my money. Don't look. Just go ahead. I'm sorry. Apologize. Hope I didn't disappoint you, but uh, <laughs> this is the truth. Believe you can make it. Thirdly, he had to be disciplined enough to have faith despite his age. He didn't let his age stop him. Number four, he had to be disciplined enough to prepare for the unexpected. I love that. For you, that's important. Now, there are four things that I think that I must watch for in my life that can, can distract, can mess me up in this season. Four things I must watch for, out for in this season of my life. Number one, I must watch out for distractions in my daily schedule. Things that pull me away from my assignment, and I'll leave it there. I must watch out for doctrinal com- compromises in my beliefs. I'll talk about that later on. You've got to have clear belief systems. And number three, I must watch out for temp- the temptation to distance myself from the core people in my life. Mr. Busy will pull me away from my wife, my children, and you. I had to be careful that I don't let that happen. I, I work at that. I need to be doing things out beyond the church, but this is my church. That's my family. It's my wife. I need to make sure I have time for my kids. Some of you are too busy. Your core priorities are lost. And then lastly, I must watch out to make sure that I do not deny the truth about the season I'm in. I need to be able to look at myself and say, this is the truth. You're in a bad season. Your attitude is showing it. You're tired. You're frustrated. I need to make sure that I'm clear about where I am. Are you clear about where you really are? Young people, you're, you're 17, 16. You don't have much time to clown around. Your choices are narrowing. You're in college. Be clear. Your time is narrowing. Be clear. You're playing in and out. You know, you're going to mess up your marriage. You're going to mess up your life. Still fighting about foolishness. At some point, it's time to change. Father, help us today to be really honest about the seasons we're in. Help us learn how to, in the next few weeks, how to improve our seasons, how to plan for our seasons, and how to enjoy our seasons. Help us, Lord God, in this study to just take a step back and have a courageous conversation about the seasons we're in. This is a season we need to get our money right. This is a season we need to get focused on our debt. This is a season we need to get focused on this relationship that's been up and down, we need to get this settled so we don't spend the next 10 years like this. We need to get a handle on this. I'm in a season when I need to focus. So, Father, every hand lifted, I pray for your people today that they would leave here with a sense of sobriety and clarity of thought, that their lives would begin to focus on the things that matter. There are people in this room that never gave their life to Jesus, and this is the moment they need to. Every hand down for just a moment. Let me pray a prayer. Father, I pray for people who've never given their lives to Jesus, who, who are in a season when they need to make that decision. There needs to be, be a season when they say, I need God in my life. I need to give my life to the Lord. I need to stop this path I'm on. And a father needs to lead his family. A mother needs to lead her children. A child needs to lead themselves. I was a teenager by myself, serving God. Nobody, I came to God alone. Because I, I realized this was good for me. And that was the best season of my life. Because I decided to change. 
So, Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, may this be the moment they say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If that prayer was for you, you want to give Jesus your life. You say, the prayer you prayed just now, Pastor, is the prayer I want I want for my life. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's the prayer. I see a hand. Anybody else saying that prayer was for me? Just put your hand up so I can know who I prayed for. Anybody else? That, that prayer was for me. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for those who raised their hands and I pray for those who raised their hearts and those who at home who have done the same. Let this be that moment when their lives will never be the same. May they say that was the day, this was the day that I changed my life and a new season of serving God began. And I give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Everybody say. Did you learn something today? I hope you did. Praise God.